مردم شریف ایران من شهریار افشار هستم میزبان شما در برنامه پالیتیکس 365 امروز مجددا یکی از دوستان فعال خودمون رو دعوت کردیم به برنامه آقای استیون ترنر یک کارشناس فعال در واشنگتن دی سی در آمریکا در موضوعی مخصوصا در زمینه‌های اینوستمنت در خاورمیانه ایران عراق و چند تا کشورهای مختلف استارتاپس تکنولوژی اینوویشن در تمام این زمینه‌ها ایشون فعالیت می‌کنند مخصوصا در عراق الان که کمپانی‌های مختلف عراقی رو که میتونن با کمپانی آمریکایی آشنا کنن و این تا اونجا که میتونن این به اصطلاح واسطه این برنامه باشن اما تازگی ها یه معامله نفت ب... که در عراق داره جا میشه تحت نظر ایشونه واسه اینکه این این اگریمنت بین استان کرد عراقه و واقعا خیلی این موضوع به اصطلاح شباهتی داره و ش... نمیگم الان که شباهت نداره اما خب نزدیک به موضوعایی هستش که اگه خب کردستان ایران هم یه مدت یه موقعی به اصطلاح اتونومس خودش بشه یا بتونه پای خودش وایسه ممکنه یه همچین معامله های بین بین اون استان کرد ایران هم اجرا بشه اما فعلا ما فقط شاهد این معامله هستیم بین این استان سمایتانمس یعنی نیمچه مستقل عراق و خب البته کاملا تاریخ و اقتصاد فرهنگ عراق با ایران یک دنیا فرق داره اما خب واقعا این موضوع قابل توجه ما هست واسه اینکه مهمه که عاقبت این معامله چی میشه و یه چیزی هم که خیلی جالبه اینه که این استان تحت نظر خب ایران هم هسته و چند بارم ایران سعی کرده سرمایه گذاری کنه در این استان اما تا حالا به اجازه نداده خلاصه ایران هم خیلی نفوذ خیلی قوی داره در عراق پس واقعا این موضوع به همه ما به اصطلاح در یه جوری مربوطه خلاصه بذار این مهمان ما را به برنامه به انگلیسی بقیه مرمه به انگلیسی اجام میشه پیگیری کنیم و بعد از اینکه ایشون حرفاش نظرم به انگلیسی به فارسی تموم میکنیم Stephen Turner, welcome back to our program. Really appreciate you and your expertise on this really interesting topic. There's so much parallel uh, that we observe with what's going on in Iraq. Of course, a, a world of difference between these two neighbors. Uh, everyone knows it. Uh, even if there wasn't a war between these two and the historic, cultural, political, religious differences, um, there's a lot of, uh, there's still some different, uh, some similarities. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, not to say that whatever happens in Iraq will happen in Iran uh, in exactly the same way, but whatever happens in Iraq, especially with this relationship with this uh, Kurdish uh, citizens and semi-autonomous region may be instructional and informative as to what happens uh, ultimately in Iran. So we would really like to know about this oil deal that uh, you've been involved in and you've been studying, you've been following, and we really wanna know uh, all the intricacies and the geopolitical impacts of such a deal, uh, and of course, the economic financial impacts of the deal, so we can understand it better and and draw whatever parallel and conclusions we can as to its relationship with Iran. Yeah, well, thanks for having me again, first of all. I mean, what's going on with, uh, with the agreement between the governments in Baghdad and, and in uh, Erbil is that they, 
they say they have an agreement on how to allow foreign companies to come in and develop their, their oil industry, essentially. And that includes uh, how they're going to be sharing revenue um, among Iraq's various governance. Um, and this has a lot of implications on both the uh, Iraqi economy and um, also on the way that the Iranian government and the Iranian people and the Iranian Kurds are going to be uh, viewing um, you know, their role in, in their economic potential in the future. So um, essentially what happened is that um, you know, uh, the semi-autonomous Kurdish region in Iraq had been exporting oil in the spring and making good money on it. But the Baghdad government um, was upset because they hadn't signed off on this. So they, they halted it all. And over the summer, they've been working on an agreement of, uh, you know, how to do this so that everybody gets a share. Um, and so that they can kind of oversee, you know, the influences coming in and, and, and work out all of the details. And they're planning at this point on, um, you know, signing the, signing the deal and then rolling it out uh, after the upcoming elections in December. And this is going to, first of all, have a lot of implications on Iraq's economy. Uh, there's going to be a lot of money coming in, a lot of foreign companies coming in to develop the oil industry. Um, once the, you know, the rest of the uh, world sees that, you know, Iraq is safe to invest money in and to bring oil out of, it's going to bring in a lot of foreign direct investment to their other industries as well. That's going to make um, Iraq quite wealthy. Uh, it's also going to make the Kurdish region of Iraq quite wealthy. And the implications there on Iran are going to be very interesting. Uh, first, I'm going to start with the small implications for Iran. Um, at this stage, Iraq is really building out um, its, its cottage industries and trying to fill in the gaps of pretty much every sector of society. Um, so there are a lot of startups, there are a lot of small companies um, you know, opening up and looking for investment. And they haven't been able to get a lot of foreign investment yet because the world still perceives Iraq as you know, quite risky. And in many ways, it is. But one player that's been trying to put a lot of money into these uh, companies is Iran. And Iraqi companies are quite hesitant to take Iranian uh, investment for a number of reasons. One of them is that um, you know, when you take an investment from a company, when you're a small company and you're taking investment, you don't want to take investment once. You want to be able to continue to take money from your investors as your company scales and grows. And it's unclear whether you know an Iranian entity is going to be able to be a long-term investor or just a short-term investor. Also, when you take the money as, uh, you know, from investors, you want them to offer some expertise and connections. And, you know, when you're, when your big investors are, are Iranian uh, groups, you're actually limiting your opportunities to work with other, other people in other countries around the world. So, um, you know, it, they'll take money, the Iraqi companies will take money from Iran out of necessity when they really need to. But they would much rather be taking investment from countries from the United States, especially, not just because of the stable expectation to get money on a regular basis, but also because of the vast amount of expertise that they have access to and the ability to scale their skill sets. Um, and so when when foreign money starts pouring into Iran to into Iraq to build out all of these industry industries, uh, Iran is going to be losing out on that influence because they're going to have to compete and have to be able to compete in terms of what they're offering for these companies. And so they're going to be losing economic and therefore political influence 
as Iran as Iraq opens up to, to the world. Um, those are the small potatoes. The big potatoes are as the money, oil money comes into Iraq and as the oil money comes into the Kurdish region of Iraq, Iranian Kurds, for one thing, are going to see that the Iraqi Kurds are, are becoming quite wealthy quite quickly. And they're going to want to know why they don't have the same opportunities. And that's going to incite them to protest further against the Iranian government and to look for opportunities to, to be building up their own oil. Um, and it's going to have the same effect on Iranian citizens that are not in the Kurdish regions or they're not Kurdish, because they're going to see that in Baghdad, um, you know, the country is becoming wealthy, the population is getting spending money, they're able to develop and grow, and they're going to, want, going to put more pressure on the Iranian government to find a way to get sanctions lifted and to open up their economy to develop as well. Because the bottom line is Iran has not only natural resources, it also has um, manpower and skills and developed industries that you know far outweigh those opportunities in Iraq. So if such a small, you know, early developing country like Iraq can benefit, why can't Iran that is so much farther along? And so this, you know, this this deal between Baghdad and Erbil of opening up the the country for oil development is going to have really um, vast implications on. Iran's politics in in the long term, it's right. going to start slowly, but it'll grow. And what are the timing? Uh, what is the timing of this deal? Uh, what should we expect in the coming months? Um, and is, is there a dollar figure that's been thrown around? I mean, how how much will the Kurds make? Uh, oh, I don't, I don't, I can't really speak to dollar figures. I mean, you know, there's there's estimates, but uh, I don't know. It's hard to predict the future because there are any number of things that could that could make things develop faster or more slowly. Right. Um, but the implications on, on Iran's politics now are also interesting because the Iranian government sees the writing on the wall um, and they know that they need to come up with these ways to have the sanctions lifted. And it's probably one of the, not one of the you know primary, but one of the secondary um, pressures that's pushing them to you know try to, I don't know if I would say, you know, re-implement the, the nuclear deal, but come up with a, another sort of agreement that gets sanctions left in exchange for, um, you know, whatever it is the West is is interested in at the time. So it's leaning on them and they're going to they're going to work, if not if not openly, then at least behind the scenes to move in that direction, because they're going to want to be able to show the citizens that they've done something to open up the economy sooner or later. Right. No, I've, I've heard that actually from many experts that. Uh, even if the JCPOA is, is uh, well, it's not dead, but it's on life support, the, politically, geopolitically, all parties are, uh, governments are incentivized to find a way to revive it, find a way to do something. Uh, Biden in his, maybe, I don't know, maybe last term uh, has certainly, it's, it's not necessarily a priority, but maybe in the next term. And if he doesn't, I think maybe the thinking is if he doesn't win a Republican uh candidate may not be as as uh, open to it uh, as, as Trump was not. Um, so there's that yeah. duality of, you know, yes, we That's want it, but will it go anywhere? And there's so much money to be made if these sanctions can be lifted. And they realize that. Right. I mean, the you know, nuclear, um, what's the word? Nuclear refinement and working towards, uh, you know, weaponization. That was a, a great bargaining chip, um, but it's possible that they might have squandered it and they want to be able to find a way to still benefit from that. 
Because mm. they can get a lot of sanctions up there. They can get a lot more money put into the economy. It, and, uh, on that Iraq, on that uh, Kurdish-Iraq deal and the interest of Iran to invest, um, would you say, I mean, since Iran hardly has any private sector, would you say this is government investment would be uh, would be uh, Bonyad or SEPA investment? Yeah. 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 So, so that's another reason why Iraq probably doesn't want the influence of Iran growing in Iraq. It's just for pull it apart from the startup reasons and the expertise and all the things you mentioned. When you invest, you want to be maybe an active investor and help the startup and help the companies. But if you're simply uh, throwing around political money to gain, uh, uh, you know, inside connections, inside, uh, you know, increase your influence, increase your influence in Iraq, that's a different matter. Yeah, I don't know how much it's going to affect the, the direct political influence because, um, I mean, it's, in some ways it will, but, um, you know, these relations, the political um, and personal ties where the Iranian government and, and you know, foundations have developed their influence with with Iraq, that's not going to go away just because money's coming in from other places. Um, they're still going to have, you know, um, an inside line to invest in certain, you know, government-owned contracts, or or to invest with, you know, the powerful, um, you know, influential players in Iraq that exist now. But they're gonna have less influence with the, you know, the people that are coming into the new money and the, the newer industries. And so they'll still have, you know, quite a hold on on in, in, on Iraqi influence for a while. So I, I don't know if that's that's not going to be the political influence is not going to be the primary reason, but they're going to lose the economic. I see. And, you know, looking at Iraq and again, I'm not saying what happens in Iraq is going to happen in Iran, but what type of American companies are active or interested? And, and if so, how do they execute on their plans? Do they open up offices in Iraq? Do they use a European intermediary? Do they partner with an Iraqi partner? How do they do it? Um, you know, generally they open up their offices. They work with they work with partners when they need to. They prefer to do this kind of stuff in house if possible. So they send over, they build out offices, and then they staff them with with um, you know high value positions that are both from the United States and from Iraq. Um, you know, those smaller groups might have Iraqi partners to help them gain a foothold, but big companies will need to do that. Um, and you know, the same kind of thing can happen in Iran. I mean, another issue is that it it depends on the laws. Of the country and in, in Iraq, they tend to try to keep um, most uh, control as um, um, under the hands of Iraqi ownership. And when they can do that, they do. But obviously, you know, if a deal is big enough, they'll you know either look the other way or they'll find ways around it. And that that would be the case in, in Iran as well. Um, you know, if that ever if we ever get to that point, which hopefully we will. Um, but you know, we, in, especially in the Kurdish region of Iraq, they already have. Um, you know, quite a U.S. presence. So they're not going to have much trouble getting that started, which is why the Kurdish region is going to bring in the money the fastest, because they've already started. They already have the infrastructure from when they were doing this in the spring. They have very close ties to the U.S. government um, and the U.S., various U.S. industries. So they're they're ready to go. And that's going to move very quickly. And they'll they'll make money faster than the than the um, the federal government in Baghdad will. And everyone will notice that, particularly the Kurds in Iran will notice that. And, and they'll would, want to do it too. Of course. Um, would this be 
I mean, primarily oil and gas sector American companies, or are there other industries active in Kurdistan? Um, there will be more industri industries active in Kurdistan. And I mean, the, the oil and gas are going to start off because those are the biggest companies that already have a foothold, but they need to send in other industries to support that. Um, you know, there's machinery companies that supply the, the machines that are used. There are a lot of actually Iraqi startups I've been speaking with. They'll already supply these this machinery um, and they'll be able to get in a lot of U.S. investment for, for, for scaling their businesses. And that's how the Iraqi uh, entrepreneurial ecosystems are going to expand rapidly because Iraq has a lot of startups and a lot of small companies that have been building up to fill very specific um, needs in Iraq for the past several years. And they're just waiting for the money to be able to scale. And they're going to get that quite soon. Do you think, again, given Iran's proximity to Iraq and its influence and its its Kurdish, uh, you know, cross-border population, uh, are American companies active in Iraq going to have a tough time complying with U.S. sanctions based on not knowing always where the origin of goods and services are coming from in Iraq? It could be some Iranian money or, or service providers. You know, um, it's not that hard for them to do the due diligence needed. Um, if there ever is an issue and there's uh, somebody who they don't want to be on, on the ownership list of a company, they'll probably end up buying them out just to get them off of that list. Um, I mean, what's going to be really interesting, though, is when these Iraqi companies start expanding, they're going to be expanding into primarily they're going to start off with the Saudi and uh, Emirati markets but then they're going to have much easier time moving into the Iranian market, which is much bigger. So they're going to be competing with Iranian businesses for, for market share. And that's really going to get the Iranians wanting to, you know, get the tools necessary to compete with the Iraqis in their own country. You know, that's an interesting scenario. Uh, Post-Iran-Iraq war, now we're maybe entering into an economic, uh, again, uh, competitive environment in the startup world and in the innovation world. And, uh, it's great if you ask me. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly what countries should be doing uh, yeah. instead of uh, warring and, and, and ideological uh, fights. Um, fight economic fights uh, and see uh, and innovation comes from that and which betters all communities, not just one. This This kind of war leads to everybody putting food on their table, which is great. Right. No, it's interesting. And I think uh, ironically, like, the way you explained it, especially with what's happening in Iraq and what will happen in Iraq, may have openings to Iran, which will force American companies to, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, ask Amer their American uh, government to uh, cut loose on the sanctions because they're here they are investing in Iraq, a country that's permissible. And yet there's going to be this overlap. Naturally, there's going to be this overlap. There's no yeah. way to draw a hard line between Iraq and Iran like you see on a map, uh, yeah. especially They're... when you talk about the Kurdish people and how, you know, the political borders have just been something that's been imposed on them. But right. they're one people. They just happen to live in uh, three different countries, at least three different countries. Yeah. And the Americans investors are going to see that if they can get a sanction lifted from, you know, Iran, it's going to expand their market opportunity over the border enormously. Right. So, you know, it's interesting as we're wrapping up, uh, you know, because I, I always ask our guests, you know, what do you see the future? What, what do you think is going to come? And, uh, you know, the diaspora, the Iranian diaspora, and, and the, of course, the larger free, freedom-loving, democratic-loving world wants to see regime change and wants to see all these 
dramatic changes in Iran. But what may happen, at least in this vacuum that we're talking about for a minute, uh, is a natural economic evolution where uh, border lines are blurred uh, right. by virtue of the, the great Kurdish people that have just suffered so much in so many different countries and so much over time. And yet uh, they may actually be an impetus or a trigger for economic uh, uh, codependency, evolution, competition, whatever you want to call it. And I've always thought that out, never thought politics could solve the problem. Uh, it was always an economic innovation and uh, uh, economic necessity that could mm -hmm. drive change. It may not be the change that everyone wants to see, but it's change uh, that, like you say, it's constructive, it it's creates jobs, puts foods on the table, uh, and it allows people that were formerly uh, political enemies to be economic and innovation collaborators, which is, I think, where you want the world to go uh, yeah. on so many different levels. So this is great. Stephen Turner, thank you so much. Uh, we just got a little bit smarter. Uh, about uh, the Iran-Iraq relationship and Middle East and innovation investment. It's really, I love this topic. I really hope yeah, it takes too. root across the Middle East and especially in Iran and Iran being such a huge startup scene, as, as you know, such so many innovators, so much uh, amazing uh, uh, ideas and technology innovation coming yeah. at so many different levels. I just hope, especially the entrepreneurs, I really have uh, no patience or, 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 um, sympathy for the big companies, uh, but yeah. the small entrepreneurs that drive economies and countries, if they could be unleashed to really reach their full potential without political constraints, without sanctions, without all these things, small entrepreneurs, they can drive the economy, they can save Iran, and they can lead, really make Iran a, a bastion of uh, innovation and a superpower uh, in the right way, not in the political. And, they, and they're aware of this and they're working on Fantastic. Thank you so much, Stephen Turner. I hope you come back soon. Yeah, thanks again.